Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Cypress Street this morning. We'd like to welcome our guests that's online with us this morning. Good to have each of you here this morning. If you're visiting with us, good to have you with us today. And uh, if you uh, want to check out the children's church, when they dismiss to go to their class, you can just go through the back door and down and back to the left. And uh, the restrooms are also down that hall too. So good to have each of you here this morning. Well, we got a little bit of a shower last night, but we've had some heat this week. And uh, hope everybody had a good fourth. It's sort of hard to believe how quick that comes and goes. Sort of like every week comes and goes. But good to have each of you here this morning. If you're visiting with us for the first time, there's connect cards in the front of the pew there. If you would fill that out and just leave it in your seat or turn it into the one of the ushers will be fine. Also, uh, this week we've got uh, Camp Pollock, the uh, grades uh, four through six will be Monday through Friday. Camp will be from the 11th to the 15th. Also on Wednesday night, we have Children's Church at 6.30. Uh, children and the youth and then also the adults at 6.30 and uh, Brother Carvin Adams is going to be having the uh, Wednesday night service so uh, next Sunday uh, Brother Carvin will be worshiping with us and bringing the service also uh, John Spires we've got his new address he's going to be uh, selling his uh, home that he's been in since he's had this uh, the fall and everything so he's going to be living with his son and his son's name is John Spires also so anyway we put his address in here and if you'd like to send him a card uh, you can do that and uh, this week at the Count Pollock the state offering was over 16 thousand seven hundred dollars and I believe that was a, a good bit over what they had projected you know for the for the offering so thank God for that but look good to have each of you here this morning we just ask that you just join in to worship I'd like to read uh, out of second Timothy the second uh, Timothy verse number 9 through 10. Who has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything that we have done, but because of His own purpose and grace. This grace was given to us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And again, good to have each of you here this morning. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day that you've given us. We thank you for the love that you have for each of us and the blessings that you give to us. We thank you for the opportunity to come back to your house this morning. We just ask that you'd bless this service this morning, Lord. Be with Brother Carvin and keep your hand on him as he brings the word this morning. And we just ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you're able, why don't you stand with us as we begin our service with a little lively tune, Fully Alive. sounded very well. <laughs> Let's join together in Holy Spirit. <clears throat> Holy Spirit, living breath of God, 
Lord, 
Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for. To be overcome by your presence, Lord. Your presence, and fill the atmosphere your glory God is what our hearts long for to be overcome by your presence Lord Amen You may be seated Children you may go to your classes now up here you tend to forget something each time I forgot about the offering uh, but anyway if you have anything to give you can go to Cypress Street Church uh, give or you can drop it in the cash box back in the back or give it to one of the ushers would be fine this morning again good to have each of you here I know Miss Carolyn good to have uh, your family with you uh, Pam and hold on Zane okay good to have you all with us this morning and uh, they're going to be traveling back home this afternoon I think so just uh, remember to pray for them on our, our prayer uh, list this morning we just ask you to continue to pray for our search for a new pastor Oh, we're going to be putting together uh, our search committee, getting all that back up and going again. So we'll be doing that, and we'll give you some more information on that uh, next week. Also, uh, pray for uh, Cade Parker. Uh, Jerry Crane, continue to pray for Jerry. Keep him on your prayer list. John Spires. Uh, Ken McConnell, I talked to Ken this week and they're changing, I think they're going to stop his uh, one type of chemo and he is he is doing uh, good and we just, uh, he says he appreciates everybody continue to keep him in prayer. Uh, Marvin McConnell, Lonnie Swan, uh, Marie and LB Honeycutt and Marie, good to have you and LB with us this morning. We're glad y'all were able to get out. Uh, Paul and Katita Jones, uh, youth camp in Pollock, and we do have a few youth going three of them this week, so uh, just remember to pray for them, lift them up. Uh, our COVID situation, we still, we've still got that hanging around. I guess it's just going to be like a cold because there's a lot of people still dealing with that. Uh, just remember to pray for the ones traveling. We've got a lot of people that's uh, on the road traveling this week. We've got people that's going to be traveling uh, in the next few weeks, our churches. Also, uh, ask that you pray for Marlon Mitchell this morning. He's got a, uh, 
he's got a tooth that's really giving him some trouble. And uh, he had a tough night last night. We just ask that you just pray for Marlon. Uh, Shirley's sister, uh, not this Shirley, but this Shirley, will be, her, she's going to Shreveport. Her sister is going to be having knee surgery, and we just ask that you keep her in your prayers too. So, again, good to have each of you here this morning. We appreciate you coming out. Brother Carvin, I'm going to ask you to come and pray, if you would, please. Good to have you with us this morning. As we pray, let's be remembering our three youth that are going to camp tomorrow. I had a state coordinator several years ago told me that 70 to 80 percent of all those who go into full-time ministry have their calling at a youth camp. Uh, I was one of those at the age of 14, so I stress it's very important to uh, give our kids the opportunity to go to a Christian camp. Let us pray. Loving Father, what a privilege we have this morning of even having the ability to address you as our Heavenly Father. You've adopted us into your family through your Son, Jesus Christ, and therefore any need that we have we can bring to you. We ask that you specifically be with those three that are going to camp tomorrow. May this be a life-changing uh, time in their lives where they seek your Son and try to determine the plan you already have in mind for each one of their lives. And we ask you to be with all the other requests that were mentioned today. We, by faith, leave them in your hands. We're thankful that several have already received answers to their prayers. And we pray for the message today. I just ask that your Holy Spirit will be the one that does the speaking. May he be the teacher, the one that uh, lays upon our heart the message, what we need to hear. So may we be responding in a positive way because we know that anything you ask of us is for our own benefit. So we trust you with all these cares. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You'll please get your Bible this morning and turn with me to Romans, the 12th chapter. Uh, just two verses. It's unusual for me to preach from just two verses. Uh, Larry, can you turn the sound down just a little bit? I'm getting a, a feedback. Appreciate it. Uh, but it, these two verses say a lot to us. And as you will see, the outline has six main points. That shouldn't take any longer than normal to cover today, but I think it's a very, very important topic. So Romans, the 12th chapter, I'll begin reading in verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship, or some translations say your reasonable act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Notice in verse 1 that Paul is addressing Christians. He calls them brothers, and of course that includes sisters, anyone who has accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And in verse 2, he tells these Christians what they need to become. They're already saved. They're already forgiven of their sin. But he says, be transformed. That word transformed is an interesting word. It comes from the Greek metamorphosis, meaning that there's a radical change in the appearance of something. Uh, it was used to describe Jesus when he was transfigured. Oh, Mount Transfiguration, Matthew records, he was transfigured before us, meaning he was metamorphosized. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. In other words, his, his outside appearance changed. If you had a hundred people there with him that day, you would have recognized, even though you did not know who Jesus was, you would recognize that he was different than everyone else around. It's also used to describe the change that our bodies will go through when Christ comes back again to receive us, receive the bodies, the souls are already in heaven, but according to that uh, transformation, that metamorphosis, 
Paul describes it this way in Philippians, the third chapter, verses 20 and 21. Our citizenship is in heaven. We eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious bodies. In other words, when our dead bodies are raised from the grave, when Christ comes back, that transformed body that we will have will be suitable for heaven. Just like Jesus' transformed body makes it possible for him to have that also in heaven. But it's interesting that the most common way we use the word transform or metamorphosize today is the radical change that takes place in the life of a butterfly. Basically, there's four different stages that the butterfly goes through before it becomes a butterfly. There's that first stage is the egg that is usually laid up under the leaves of uh, some type of plants. Then there's what we call the larva, or sometimes we just call it caterpillar. It, it hatches out in a couple of days, and you've seen them crawl around on, on plants. In fact, I had to get four out of my garden just a couple of days ago. They were beautiful butterflies, three of them especially, very green, had a red horn. I don't know what kind of butterfly they would become, but those four didn't make it. I got, got them out of my tomatoes. I, I hated to do that, but they were eating my leaves, eating even the to green tomatoes. Then there's that third phase, the pulpa, which we call the, the uh, uh, cocoon. Actually, the lava will die to some degree, lose its identity as a caterpillar, and in a sense is reborn into that fourth stage, which is that of a butterfly. So while this lava larva is, is in the cocoon, the butterfly goes through this reformation or this transformation, this metamorphosis of about 9 to 14 days. It is changed inwardly. Its organs are rearranged. Its exterior is changed. It loses that uh, fuzzy exterior we call uh, uh, the skin. It grows then two legs and two wings. So the beautiful butterflies that we see going from flower to flower were once just fuzzy caterpillars, not able to fly, just crawling around on leaves. In fact, uh, I read that uh, a caterpillar will do almost nothing except eat its entire life. That sounds like a good idea to me. It's getting ready for this metamorphosis. When uh, we were looking for a house to move back to West Monroe two years ago, I told my realtor, our realtor, that we're looking for a house with three bedrooms and two cocoons. Of course, he didn't understand, and a lot of people don't understand what I say anyway, so that's another story. But uh, I said, yeah, the, the cocoon is usually the smallest room in the house. It has all the plumbing. You have a vanity there with a large mirror in front of it. You got the bright lights that's able to light up a, one, a runway at night so planes could land. And a person can go into that cocoon. Me, about five minutes. Some people, hour and a half, two hours. They come out completely transformed. They've been metamorphosized. I mean, they go in looking one way. They come out looking another Maybe we need three cocoons still just two at our house. But nevertheless, in our text, this word transformation or being metamorphosized is used to describe the radical change of a person, especially inward, but also to some degree outwardly. And this change is made possible through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Paul, in writing to the Christians at Thessalonica, describes this as entire sanctification. In his first letter, he wrote these words. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through, which means to make holy 
everything there is about you. He said, may your spirit, your whole spirit, your soul, and your body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So this Christian in his early stages, according to Paul's analogy, is symbolized by that of a caterpillar. Caterpillars have life. Christians have life. But in the early stages, neither is the highest form of life possible. Neither is reaching their full potential. Neither is full grown and mature. The caterpillar is not created by God to remain a caterpillar. Spending all of its life crawling around on leaves and feeding himself because his, his movement is restricted. God does not save us to remain at the lowest spiritual level either. With all of our weaknesses, all of our shortcomings, with all of our limitations, just like when God brought his children out of Egyptian bondage, he did not want them to remain in the wilderness. They were just to pass through and finally get to that promised land that he had waiting for them. Those four caterpillars that I got off of my uh, tomatoes this week couldn't fly. They became airborne when I knocked them off the leaves and stopped on them. But that's the only way they could not fly as a butterfly does. In a similar manner, the early stages of the Christian life were earthbound to some degree. In fact, Paul wrote about it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Brothers and sisters, they're talking to Christians, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, meaning the Holy Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, merely infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. So as he said, we are limited until we are metamorphosized. We are earthbound to some degree. We cannot be completely victorious over Satan until we experience that metamorphosis in our lives. We cannot be completely used by God. We cannot be what God fully intends for us until we have experienced this transformation in our lives. It's the same thing that Peter wrote. Like newborn babies, craves pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Now how does it do? How does it work? How does a Christian become transformed as Paul instructs us here in Romans chapter 1 and 2. I see the answer in verse 1. Offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Just as the Jews for centuries would take an animal, usually a lamb, and they would take it to the high priest of Israel and he would sacrifice it either at the temple or the tabernacle depending what time of, uh, in their lifespan it would, would be. They would place the animal on the altar, surrender it completely to God. Well, in a similar way, we are to bring our lives, hand them over to our high priest who is Jesus Christ. Surrender our lives completely so that he may radically transform us by his Holy Spirit so that we could live at a higher plane in our Christian lives. You'll notice in your outline, I've listed, I believe, six characteristics I see in these two verses of a person who is a living sacrifice to God. So let's look at these together. Look at number one. Being a living sacrifice is an expression of our gratitude to God. In verse one, Paul says, in view of God's mercies. In view of God's mercies. 
According to the Old Testament, in which the Jews here had come up under the Old Testament laws of Moses and the prophets for, for centuries, there were basically two reasons that a Jew would offer a sacrifice, an animal sacrifice. A, a sacrifice for sin. They would go on the Day of Atonement, especially one time a year, take that animal, whether they raised the animal themselves or bought it from the temple flock, they would take that animal and have it sacrificed so that they could be reconciled or reconnected with God. Because of all the sins they had committed that previous year, they needed to come back to God and there had to be the spilling of blood. That from a sacrifice. There's a second reason they would offer a sacrifice. It's item B. A sacrifice of thanksgiving. In other words, they would be celebrating the reconciliation that they have received from God because of his mercy and grace. This is the type of sacrifice that Paul is speaking of in this text this morning when he says, in view of God's mercy. In other words, offer to him your lives as living sacrifices because of the mercy and grace you have received from God. Think about all the ways he blesses us. First of all, we have forgiveness through his son, Jesus Christ, who offered his life as the sacrificial lamb. No longer do we take animals to the high priest or bring them out here and we slaughter them and burn them. We don't do that anymore. It's not necessary. Jesus became the final, the ultimate, the complete sacrifice for all of our sins. So Paul is saying, when you consider the price that Jesus paid for your salvation... When you consider all the ways that he takes care of us. When you consider everything that you have because of God. And especially this personal relationship where he's your heavenly father. And you are his child adopted into the family. We should offer our lives. Not as dead sacrifices. But as living sacrifices. Meaning that everything we do in our lives should be bringing glory to Jesus Christ who gave so much for us. So in view of God's mercy, Paul says, offer your bodies as living sacrifices to God. That talks about a, a total, complete, unqualified surrender to God. I see a second characteristic being a living sacrifice is the only life that fully meets God's approval. In verse 1, he says, holy and pleasing to God. That word holy has several meanings. One is something that's been dedicated to be used by God. In other words, I was not living here when this beautiful sanctuary was built or even the old part of the church building was, was constructed. I was in the old one a lot of times worshiping as a, a kid or, or younger for youth rallies or whatever. But I'm assuming that once you completed each phase of construction, you had some type of dedication service showing everyone that this place is for God's use. You dedicated it to him. It's been set apart. Different from all the other buildings around. There's houses and businesses around. They may have been dedicated to God and they may not. But this building specifically was dedicated as a place of worship, a place of teaching, a place where a person can come to be reconciled to God. So it is holy in a sense that it can be used by God. There's another definition of holy. I have it item B in your outline. Living to please God in everything that we say and do. This takes a lot of effort. It does not come naturally. Naturally, we want our own way. Naturally, we want our own agenda, our own plans. 
but when we surrender our lives completely to God, giving Him the very best we have, telling Him you, could, you can use us any way you want to. After all, didn't He give the best He had? He gave His Son. He could have sent someone else. He could have had one of the high priests be crucified and hung on the cross, but that would not have been sufficient because everyone had sinned except Jesus Christ. He was the only pure and holy sacrifice for our sins. So he's offered us his best. We need to offer him our best. Number three, being a living sacrifice is an expression, expressed form of worship. Also found in verse 1. This is your spiritual, and some translations uses the word reasonable, act of worship. True worship is more than what takes place in a building when we come together either on usually Sunday morning or, or Wednesday night. In fact, a person can come to a worship service every time the doors are open and never really worship. Worship is a verb. It takes action. We are praising God for everything he has done, for who he is, the one and only true God, the creator of everything, the sustainer of everything, the one who owns everything, and we worship him for the things that he does in our lives. So real worship, true worship, is anything we do as living sacrifices that bring glory and honor to Jesus Christ. It can happen at your job place. If you're working as if working for God, as Scripture tells us we ought to be, you're bringing glory to the Son. Now, if you don't find your job satisfying, and if you cannot give your best to your employer, you need to be looking for another job. I've been there, I know. Find something that you enjoy doing. Find something you feel like God has talented you to do. And when you give it all, in a sense, that's worship to God. It can happen in your school. As you set a godly example before the other students or, or the teachers. It can happen in your recreation. Whatever it is, if it's bringing glory to Jesus Christ, it's a form of worship because we're offering God who we are as his children. We offer in him what we have. Not that we actually have anything. We're just stewards of it. But we're saying we're here as a living sacrifice. Use me to my full potential. So being a living sacrifice is a form of worship. Number four, being a living sacrifice makes one different. Verse two, do not conform, and notice that word conform, any longer to the pattern of this world. If there's one danger I see, and I see more, but one that really bothers me is churches and so-called Christians or disciples of Jesus Christ who allow the world to dictate. You dress like this. You act like this. They're, we're allowing the world to push us in their mold. And Paul says, don't let the world conform you to their standard. Don't let them influence how you live and who you are. A good example, when Jesus was transformed before Peter, James, and John, I already shared that his countenance, his outward appearance radically changed. His clothes became white. I don't know what he was wearing, but it probably had color in it. But it was just brilliant. His face shone like the sun. I'm just imagining they could hardly look straight at him because of the radiance that he displayed. He was being metamorphosized. He was visibly different. Everybody that saw him 
knew something had happened. Uh, the ugly worm that crawls around, the fuzzy caterpillar, is completely different than the beautiful butterfly. Uh, the butterfly no longer crawls, it flies. It no longer feeds on the leaves. It feeds on the sweet nectar found in the blooms. I remember as a kid, we'd find honeysuckles. You pull out the little stem. I know it has a better name. It'd have one drop, one little drop of nectar on it. A little bit sweet. I imagine that was much sweeter than eating leaves. I never tried to eat leaves unless it was uh, greens that I cooked on the stove. I, I love greens and salads, but uh, regular tree leaves, I, I'm not going to eat them. But the caterpillar has been transformed and looks so much different. There's no similarity whatsoever. So Paul is saying that as we are transformed, we as metamorphosized Christians or disciples of Jesus Christ will look different than the immature Christians or those who have not been transformed. We will act differently. We will think differently. And it brings us to number five. Being a living sacrifice changes our way of thinking. Verse two, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I do not believe a butterfly would be able to fly if in his mind he thought he was still a caterpillar. The mind was transformed when his body went through that great transformation. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and with all your mind. Why? Writer Proverbs says, as he thinks, so is he. In other words, this transformation that we should experience in our own lives, in our walk with Jesus Christ, should change some of the literature we read. It should change some of the programs we watch on the television. It should change some of the music we listen to. Uh, earlier years, I, I, was, I really loved music. I, played in a rock and roll band for a year in high school. I know you can't imagine that. <laughs> then when I got in my early 20s, I, my taste for music went to country music. Uh, my dad played in a bluegrass band over the radio station when he was 16 years old in the Ozarks. So I, I had picked up a little bit of country that way. And I, I loved the music. And one, God said, one day God said to me, as I was in the shop working, had the radio going, he said, uh, listen to the words of those songs. And I began to listen all day long. I would say almost 100% of them talked either about getting drunk, trying to forget so-and-so, or having an affair with so-and-so. Almost every one of them has something to do with sin. You know what? I turned the radio off. I do not even listen to music today. Occasionally I'll listen to uh, gospel. I, I still love bluegrass, I do. It's one of the few indigenous musics we have in the United States. But being transformed will change our way of thinking because how we think. And whatever enter, enters our minds and our ears affects our thinking and our thinking affects our actions in our lifestyle. Being a living sacrifice will change our way of thinking. And then lastly, point number six, being a living sacrifice enables one to know God's complete will for his life. Notice the results, verse two. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Part of the normal growth and development, as I've already talked about of the butterfly, is this metamorphosis. Keep in mind, it is a process. 
It does not happen overnight. In the life of a butterfly, it happens fairly regular over several days. So this radical transformation that I'm talking about, that Paul is talking about, that we as Christians need to experience in our lives is also a process. It won't happen overnight. Yes, we can receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit at a certain time in our life when we offer our lives as living sacrifices to God, but that change or the influence of the Holy Spirit will enable us to continue to do so for many, many years. I hope and I think I am more spiritually mature now than I was 50 years ago. But it's still a process. I will not tell you I have completely arrived and Sandy would say amen to that. See, a caterpillar cannot remain as a caterpillar indefinitely. You know what will happen? It will die and never, never reproduce. A caterpillar doesn't lay eggs. The butterfly does. So as Christians, we cannot remain at a lower level forever. There must be that growth. There must be this continual process of being metamorphosized. Climbing higher and higher. Closer and closer to the Father. And if we don't, if we do not allow the Holy Spirit to do this work in our lives, we ourselves will die spiritually. And we will never, never spiritually reproduce. I'm going to ask that you bow your heads and you be in an attitude of prayer. There's several stages of this transformation in a person's life. First of all, one has to ask forgiveness of their sins and invite Jesus into their lives. That's a must. That's where we start our journey with Jesus Christ. That's where we start following Jesus in obedience. And then we continue day by day as God's Holy Spirit brings out something in our life that needs to be changed. We allow the Spirit to help us make those changes. I don't know what level you are in today. But I would dare say most of us can make some improvements. Most of us can change a few things in our lives that would enable us to be more holy. More like Jesus Christ. More in step with His Holy Spirit as we submit to Him and surrender to Him. And it's this surrendering everything to God is a living sacrifice. It's not just something that takes place once and it's over. You may remember that the early church was filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts 2 on the day of Pentecost. And by the time you get over chapter 4, it says they were filled again because they needed a fresh anointing of God's Holy Spirit. So if you're here this morning, if you need to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, we invite you to come. Or if you need, just need to surrender some area of your life more to God, you can come. If you'd like to pray by yourselves, you can come, by the, uh, come sit on these pews. But if you'd like for me to pray with you, you can come to these altars. So whatever need you may have, as we stand to sing a few verses of an invitation... I invite you to come. Won't you stand with us, please?
Glad to have each of you here this morning. We ask that you please come back and, and be with us. Uh, just remember our kids. I'm going to have a prayer for them. That's going to camp this week. Uh, Brantley, uh, he was down at uh, Pollock this week and got washed on. And, uh, so just remember him. He's trying to heal up and get over that. I think she was taking him to the doctor this morning. So just remember him for that. And uh, just remember our camp this week and the kids that's down there that God will, uh, will touch their hearts. Our camp's a special time. I'm sure just everybody has been to our church camp during their lifetime. And that's a special time that God can deal with your life and that can make a change throughout life. Again, thank you each for being here this morning. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day and for the opportunity to come back out to your house this morning, Lord. We thank you for the love that you have for each of us, for our families, Lord, for this church. And we just pray for each of these kids that's going to be going to camp this week from our church, Lord. We ask that you be with them and touch them, touch their hearts in a special way, Lord, and just... Uh, be close to them, be with our camp, be with each one that's going to camp this week, and the workers at the camp, thank you for them, Lord. Again, thank you for this day and the privilege to come back to worship in your house. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>